As you watch the screen, your heart begins to beat faster. There's a fluttering in the pit of your stomach. Your throat is dry. Your palms damp. Suddenly a chill runs down your spine. You clutch the person next to you. You tell yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. But sooner or later, it's time to go home. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And this is our review of A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, starring Lisa Wilcox, Danny Hassel, Brooke Thies, Andres Jones, Tuesday Night, and Robert England. Directed by Rennie Harlan, released in 1988 on a budget of $13 million, grossed $49.3 million at the box office. And of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, this was the biggest grossing sequel up until Freddy vs. Jason. So, big time box office return again on the heels of the the good press that part three bought them. They come back with part four pretty quick and they go with a different uh, motif this time. I mean, Rennie Harlan's a guy I know for action movies like Deep Blue Sea and Die Hard 2 and, and stuff like that. You know, those are, I guess, some of the better ones he's done. He's done some really crappy ones, too. But this was his first American film. And I think you can feel his aesthetic all over this one. I am not familiar with his name, so I don't know anything to compare it to. But it definitely feels a little bit different than the other ones that we've seen. So I guess he did something right there. Um, I just want to say, Jay, Tuesday night. Are you kidding me? Really? That's got to be a fake name. Right? <laughs> no, I, I don't know if it's fake or not. It might be a stage name for the uh, the actress there. But yeah, New Kristen this time. So uh, <laughs> yeah. actually, uh, she her real name is Melody Lynn Knight. So it's not too far off. But uh, yeah, that, <laughs> Melody Lynn or Tuesday. Tuesday. I, you know, it was the 80s, I guess. You know, uh, she sings our opening theme song. Oh, yeah. Uh, so which you said you liked more than Dream Warriors. And I have no idea what you're talking about. But uh, <laughs> anything's um, better than Dawkins. I, only in your head, sir. Yeah, that's I, true. I, this oh, was hideous. Yeah. Night, the song is called Nightmare, but it's got some of the shocking worst lyrics ever. It's like a heart it's, attack on a one-way street. What uh, the hell? Cliche after cliche. <laughs> it was terrible, but only to be outdone by the second song in the one. That was even worse. Oh, well, yeah, true. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of really, like, weird music. Like, it, what's funny is there's a ton of music in this movie that is not on the soundtrack. Like, they play a lot of pop music underneath it, but it wasn't on the official soundtrack. So this was, I mean, this was heyday of MTV. This was coming off of that Dream Warriors thing and all the all the big popularity. I mean, Freddie at this point, I think, was hosting MTV videos and stuff and Headbangers Ball and whatnot. And so it it, <laughs> it makes sense that this would be the one that was chock full of tons of music and and. Uh, yeah, but yeah. having tons of music, one thing, having garbage music. <laughs> I mean, we're talking, we're living in desperate times. 
as a lyric? I mean, good God. Well, you know, I, I don't know about the writing of the songs. I do know the writing of this film was somewhat hampered by the same writer strike that uh, let Halloween 4 be made on a script that was written in 11 days. So say, same issue uh, at play here, which I think does explain a little bit of the ending, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that as we get there. But, uh, you know, I, off the bat, though, I do want to say, I... I didn't know much about this movie. I, I think I had seen pieces of it here and here, you know, growing up and stuff on uh, on cable and whatnot. But I never like sat down and watched it until years later. And I have always liked this one. And so going into this review, I thought, now, I remember really liking this one. I'll be curious to see if it holds up because it's been a few years since I watched it. So I had positive vibes for it and hope for it going in. Yeah, and I don't. I didn't remember a whole lot of this one going in, so I didn't have much thought, to be honest. Uh, so I went in clean, with a clean slate, not remembering. I remember bits and pieces as as watching it go through. I remember the fact that Alice becomes the new main character and all that other stuff. But before that, I was completely trying to remember what this one was about and couldn't. So I went in a little blind, which is good, I think. No, that's not, that's not a bad thing. I, I do think it's good to get the fresh approach on this because I remembered most of what the story was. And then watching it unfold again, I was able to kind of put a little bit of a critical eye to it, which is, is fun. So I think before we go any further, though, Brian, you got to lay down the, the law on people here. What happens in the story of the Dream Master? Well, like my notes, we'll make this short and sweet. As her friends, Joey and Kincaid, succumb to the resurrected Freddy, Kristen transfers her powers to bring people into dreams into her friend Alice, who has loads of untapped potential in the dream category. Freddy uses her unknown abilities to trap new teenagers into his nightmares and kill several of Alice's friends and her brother. Alice finally decides to take a stand against Freddy and goes after him in the dream world. There, the memory of a rhyme she learned as a child gives her an idea to turn a mirror on Freddy, allowing the souls of all he has killed to attack him from within and tear him apart. Alice, now confident and with a new boyfriend, still wonders if Freddy will come back for more. Dun, dun, dun. Boy, you, you did. Uh, you weren't lying. Short and sweet all the way. But I, I think that's the the beauty of this film is... They keep it simple in this one. They don't, you know, that last one was pretty convoluted. I mean, you had a lot of stuff going on in it. And in, even though there weren't a ton of sets and stuff, there was a lot of story going on there. This time they, they do keep it pretty basic. And I mean, they're going to open up with, uh, the opening act is basically doing away with the heroines of part three. And I wanted to just, before we get into the details of it, <laughs> what'd you make of that? You know, all these people survive to basically just be off again here in the first 20 minutes. I got to say, I was disappointed because these are the three surviving members of the clan of the supposed survivors of the past. And to see them get killed so fast and so easily in this movie kind of made everything that happened in the last one seem worthless. Did I lose you? No, I didn't hit the mute button off. So, <laughs> I got to tell you, Brian. I like this, though. I like the fact that they changed the game right out of the gate and the fact that our dream warriors here are, you know, they're confident, they're moving about life. Kristen's portrayed 
a little differently from Patricia Arquette to Tuesday night here. But character-wise, she's basically the same. She's, you know, still paranoid about Freddie, which, you know, who wouldn't be, right? But Kincaid and Joey seem to have kind of moved on with their life, and they're all back at Springwood High, and they're trying to, they've got new friends, they're trying to move on and such. I like the fact that they are almost overconfident when they go against Freddie again, and it's their undoing. And I well, also I also like the fact that they are the last of the original Elm Street children. In other words, the the children of the parents that killed Freddie. And after he takes care of them, he's, you know, got to get new blood now. He wants new people in. And the device to do that, I thought it was pretty smart. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't mind that. I, I have to argue that these people were confident because I don't think they were at all. They showed a little more fear. Like, they don't want to deal with Freddie anymore. He's dead. And then when he finally comes back, I mean brilliant what did i say last time the only way to bring him back is to bear unbury his bones and what happens we get the freaking dog unburying the bones oh, of not, Freddy. not just unburying the bones but pissing fire on the bones <laughs> i mean yeah kincaid's dog just to, to lay it out gets pulled into a nightmare that Kristen's having and, and this is after she's had a couple of more where she thinks Freddy's coming back and they're trying to tell her no we're, we're done with that and Kincaid goes into the nightmare world and he's in the junkyard and he realizes real quick what's happening. Freddy's basically luring him back there. And yeah, his dog comes in with him and the dog digs up Freddy and pisses fire and, and Freddy reassembles Hellraiser style. Right. And did you ever think that maybe the dog was doing the dreaming? Because, I mean, the dog was just. I don't, I don't know. Do animals dream? I don't know. Uh, yes, mean, they do very much. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, see, like I thought, like then it would have been chasing cars or something. Maybe I don't. Maybe that's why they well, were in the junkyard. I, maybe that's it. No, I never took knows? it that way. I kind of always took it that since it was laying on the bed with Kincaid, and we'd had that earlier dream where the dog came in with him and bit her and woke her up out of it. That it was just the same thing. It was because it was near to him. That's how it got pulled into the dream too. Maybe that's right, but it's just weird because the dog is such an integral part in bringing Freddy back and in really the dreams of Kristen. She, I mean, the dog's in there a couple times. The dog wakes her up, bites her. The dog's with um, buries Freddy's bones. I mean, it's just weird. What did you make of the, like, as far as resurrection conceits go, though, this isn't the worst one I've ever seen. I mean, at this point, I think Jason was getting resurrected by lightning and stuff well, like that. So I, I was fine with it. I thought it was actually kind of cool. No, but I predicted it in the last one that, that that's how the only way I could see it happening is if someone came, found the bones and un, unburied them. And so to have the dog I, do it, I thought it was a good good idea. And I guess a dog pissing on it unhallows the ground? Well, uh, well washes away the holy water, maybe. <laughs> I, I guess. Which How holy was that water to begin with? We we could It was stolen. <laughs> I mean, we, we could talk about it's, that. It's still holy water, whether it's stolen or not. I, I, I know. He left his driver's license for it. So. <laughs> but, That's right. Yeah. So I guess I guess he had just been. Wonder whatever happened to him? How come we didn't see him get? I know. Like right. Yeah. He goes to sleep, and then I we never see him again. That's the thing is, I kind of thought they would bring back Doctor Gordon. I don't know why he wasn't in this. I don't think he was ever in any of the drafts of it. They just moved on without him. But uh, he must have just been so heartbroken he left town. Who knows? I guess Nancy's dead. He doesn't have anything to pine after yeah. anymore. So well, he'd yeah, already that, been fired. Yeah, I mean, at least they at least they brought brought Kristen's mom back I mean right they got <laughs> they didn't God. get Kristen back but they got Kristen's mom back her oh, awful God. mother so proving my theory that she was not killed so you can't count her in the body count last time so yeah, yeah. but unfortunately <laughs> and, and she didn't die this time either so um 
Yeah. Like, yeah, contemptible people like this, like, usually do get killed in a horror movie, you're right, and she never does, so. Um, <laughs> she but, kills her daughter, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you make of that, though? The way that, like, Kristen is, you know, still not sleeping or whatever, so her mother feeds her sleeping pills unbeknownst to her and then reveals it to her. And I love Kristen just like goes off on her. Like you just doomed me. It's so over. You just murdered me is what she says. Yeah. It's melodramatic and it's ridiculous. I thought it was great, but, but no, but it's cool. That's what I'm saying. Like it's totally like lifetime movie style, but I like the fact that she's doing everything she can to try and stay awake. And of course she can't. And that's, that's the conceit here is that Kristen is not going to be able to make it out of this, but I I like it. I, I mean, I like the conceit that all of these people that we were depending on last time aren't going to be around this time to do it. It's going to be a new set of protagonists because we already know the these people's story, right? So seeing that again is is going to be a rehash and dispatching with them. Now we don't know that changes the game. Yeah, it definitely changes the game. I just thought that they went out too easily. They didn't put up much of a fight at all. In fact, they all kind of ran scared. Well, let's talk about how the three of them get killed here real quick. All right. Kincaid goes down swinging, at least. He throws a car on Freddy before he he gets (laughs) gutted, basically. I mean, he he gets a pretty violent death. Not only does he throw a car, but he's all excited and dancing like he won the Super Bowl. How, How many times have we seen a guy do the finishing move and not cover quick enough, Brian, in wrestling all the time. I, this felt like something right out of Saturday morning WWF and yeah. then Freddie being Hulk or the Ultimate Warrior or whomever would turn around and, and lay the smack down and then that would be it. That's several years ahead of The Rock, but you get what I mean. So, and, and I love how like he, he stabs him with the fingers and like Kincaid's head falls on his shoulder and Freddie just like pets his head a little bit. It's so sadistic. <laughs> and you know, Fre- Freddie this time though, you know, I told you last time, Welcome to Primetime Bitch was a turning point in this series. And now Every time Freddy takes somebody out, there's a pun, there's a line, there's there's some you know quip at the end of it, and you know you and I covered seven seasons of Buffy. That was a hallmark of Buffy was she would talk trash as she staked vampires all the time, right? And sometimes it's more comical than others, but sure. I, I felt like I was watching the old Buffy again with Freddy's lines. Well, and and, and you know I, I will say this: this is definitely a different tone because. How there's a lot of cursing going on in this movie compared to what we've seen in the past. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, King K deserves to die for nothing alone than that mouth he's got. I mean, no <laughs> <Don't> shit. <laughs> I mean, he is like every other word. It's crazy. Like they, I guess they couldn't get enough of the violence past the MPA because this movie is cut to heck and back for the for the violence and stuff. And there's so many deleted scenes of like extended you know violence and and things like that so i guess they'd let the language slide but they they didn't let the the blood so um joey though you know maybe the most useless of the dream warriors from last time he screamed and and broke some glass <laughs> his hair's grown out a little bit he goes down the same way he almost went down the last time right a topless yeah. woman Gotta gotta go for those blondes except this one is like in his waterbed now did you ever have a waterbed growing up uh my folks did I did not. Really? Okay. See, my brother did, and then I inherited it when he went to college. So I thought that was so cool. And I remember the first time seeing this movie, I was like, man, if I had seen this when I was I would have never gone back to that bed again. Like, it was just <laughs> that, it was a, just such a weird, because I did have dreams about winding up underneath that thing. You know, like I, I always felt like I was going to wind up getting you know, drowned in the, in the bed. 
Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, but yeah, he, he did like nothing at all except try to look for the well, he girl. Drooled. Yeah. yeah, he drooled and then he got sucked in by Freddy. And then, I, you know, the thing is, is like when they find Kincaid the next morning, it looks like he had a heart attack, right? When right. they find Joey, his mother finds him trapped inside of his waterbed. Like, how the H did that happen? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's what I was You're like, oh, that's logical. Just I mean, it's like, wound it's like up the, in there. It's like the TV girl, right? Like, there's no way you can explain that as you know natural death or suicide or anything. Like, it's right. so it's so off to to everything we've seen. And yep. um, but all this is happening again because. Uh, Al, I, because Kristen is has basically brought Freddie back up into their minds, and they have dreamed this through somehow or another. Freddie has resurrected here, and then of course he goes after Kristen, and I, I like how he takes her out. I mean, he throws her in a furnace, you know. And the thing is, though, is the setup to it is what's so bad because. Alice and her have had this conversation beforehand, and we haven't talked about Alice yet. She's kind of this dowdy, you know, girl who doesn't. She has like no personality at all. She's a complete blank, which is not, you know, not on purpose because it, she essentially will become an amalgamation of all these people at the end of this movie. Right. So they start off with a blank, but she gives uh, Kristen this thing about, well, my dad used to say, or my mom used to say, is my mom used to say, just dream of a happy place, think of a fun place. So as she's starting to go to sleep, you know, Kristen now on, on Tylenol PM or whatever is, uh, uh, or, or, you know, no, no wake or whatever she's taking now, uh, the opposite of wake aid, <laughs> uh, is, is going to sleep. She's not on hypnosil. We know that. And so she's, um, Saying, do think of a fun place, and she thinks she's on the beach, and we get the friggin' cheesy Freddy shark, the the hand. Yes. That's, oh god, that was awful, wasn't it? Terrible. Very oh, bad. it's very bad. But you know what? The sand trap into the house, the the quicksand into the house, was a nice effect. Like Freddy in the sunlight, well, that's bad. That makeup looks bad. But <laughs> they don't linger on it, and and I want to emphasize that is that it starts off like, oh, this is gonna be awful. And then all of a sudden, no, it crawls into that dilapidated 1428 Elm Street house again. And it somehow or another looks worse than it did before. Like, it's it's degraded even in the dream world. It's gotten worse. Well, because I think it's degraded in the real world. Right. We see them visit the house a couple times in this in this film. So, um, yeah, you know, it does definitely look worse. And, of course, it looks like it's a big cavernous boiler room all the time now, too. So, you know. Yeah, it's, it's the dream room. It's, it's where Freddy does his thing. I'm still confused as to why everything centers around this house. I know we're going to get an answer to that eventually, but well, that's I, good because I don't remember that answer. <laughs> it's it's coming. Just hold hold on for a couple. <laughs> movies. I'm not saying it's good, but a little teaser there. But you know, I um, I like the way he stalks her and eventually just throws her into the friggin' boiler. You know, like he's he throws her in the furnace and that's it. But before she goes. She pulls Alice into that dream somehow. What a and, bitch. Yeah, well, you know what? She thinks of the, like, I've got to bring somebody in. Kincaid and Joey are, are, are gone, and she knows this, you know. So. Well, she should have brought in Alice's karate kid brother. I don't, you know, that's what I wondered is what, that's her boyfriend, Rick. The, who, yep. Alice and Rick are in the same grade, but they're not twins. I'm not really sure, like, the math <laughs> works on that, but. Okay, uh, maybe one got held back and one went. Maybe, maybe maybe Rick started late. I don't know, but anyway, Rick Rickson, who uh, um, 
he has the Karate Kid bandana, like almost exactly, except for with a red. Except he's got like Christian Slater's face and Corey Haynes' hair. <laughs> I mean, yes, he, he's, does. he is like an 80s amalgam himself, right? You know, so he's into that. Why not call the guy, you know, that can fight a little bit? Or what about Hunky Dan, the, the jock, who we know is a jock because he's always wearing the dang Letterman's jacket. Well, <laughs> I mean, like even in the he hospital could be in later, music. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, either way, I mean, he's always... club. <laughs> no, I don't think they give letters for that, but uh, at least not at sure my high school. Do. Not at my high school, they did. Oh, so yeah. Sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, but at any rate, she calls in, like, the the most meek friend she has. And I don't know if it's because somehow Kristen senses the fact that Alice has got untapped potential, or well, if I it's, think, it's just I what think the it, movie needs. I don't know. I, I think it has more to do with the speech on becoming the dream master, right? She talked a lot about how she was the master of her dreams. So she probably thought right. that maybe by bringing Alice in that she could help master the dream. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Alice did lay that nursery rhyme out about – she couldn't remember all of it, she said, but it was – it's a, you know, a, I don't want to say parody, but it's a, a – a different version take on the now I'll lay me down to sleep prayer that you teach children, you know, we do this and it's, it's a little different on that, but she's, she's spouting it off. I mean, it's, it's Chekhov's poem basically, cause we're going to get it to go off in the third act, but she throws her blue power through Freddie into Alice. And I didn't get this until watching it this time, but it's actually said Freddie drops lines in it a couple of different times and and you and his mouth's not moving, so you can tell they did it in post because no one understood what was happening. Freddie says, "I get their souls, but you get their powers." So it's like he gets their soul, but Alice takes on their personality or their superpower. Right. So she becomes like Boltron almost at the end of this. She's got a little <laughs> bit of everybody's stuff. You remember what I'm talking about, right? So I do, yeah, yeah. And so I I felt like I was a Voltron fan, and now that it's coming back, I'm like, yes, I'm geeking out over something that I haven't watched in. 30 years goodness knows be careful like it. <laughs> when they bring them back it's not always I, for the pet you know and i haven't gone back and watched the old ones for that specific reason because there's too many things i've gone back to from my youth and i'm like yeah not so much you know like i just hey, man yeah, well that and like the old gi joe cartoons and things oh, yeah. like yeah like they're fun to laugh at now because they're ridiculous but they're not nearly as entertaining and i wasn't enthralled with it <laughs> with with the serpentor storyline as much as i was when it came out when i was nine or ten or whatever but anyway i i do feel like though that is what's happening here with alice and that's what i want to say is this movie and and i, I lay a lot at rennie harlan because of his after career he's done so many action movies and things like that but i think that's something he likes to do and i think they constructed an action movie version of Freddy here. I think they felt like we got as scary as we can ever get. So now we got to do something. We're going to ramp it up and go in a different direction. So let's make it dangerous and violent and a, a lot of, you know, fighting and a lot of blowing stuff up. I mean, everything explodes in this movie. The friggin' sandcastle explodes with the Freddy shark, like the mirrors explode, a, a friggin' Dairy Queen explodes. I think, I mean, everything explodes in this movie. And, I feel like they're they're ramping up that action, and this is building toward that the entire time. Yeah, I think so too. I, um, I, I like. I I think it's kind of weird though that she gets these powers. I I can understand getting Kristen's. Yeah, because she's the one who throws it to her. But how does she get Kincaid's? And and for that matter, how does she get? 
her brothers, who's not well, dead yet. I, I don't think she gets Joey's or Kincaid's because she never does anything like them. What she does is she gets her friend Sheila, who's a big nerd and an inventor person. She gets her, uh, you know, brains or whatever, and she gets Rick's kung fu because she starts whipping those nunchucks around or the stunt double wearing a bad wig does it for her however you want to look at it so she gets that (laughs) she gets Kristen's, you know bad a stuff she's got her friend um deb who's the it's supposed to be a workout girl or whatever so she gets like her sort of punk attitude stuff i think she gets she gets her friends and brothers power and Kristen's, but she doesn't get kincaid and joey's but how? Because at this point in time, none of them are dead well, when she gets Kristen's well, powers, right? Right. So but she, does she, she just all of a sudden, by default, consume everyone's powers when Freddy kills someone? Well, see, here's the thing. Freddy uses her because she doesn't realize that she can drag people into dreams until the very end. She doesn't realize she's doing this until she realizes that's how Freddy is getting to these people. It's because he's going through me because he has no connection to the rest of them. So even one of them says to him, I'm not afraid of you. I don't even know who you are. And he's like, doesn't matter because your friend is. <laughs> and she brought me through here. And I like, you know, I kind of like the idea that that Alice is this um, un- unaware conduit to things because her friend Sheila gets killed in the classroom because we established she has bad asthma and Freddie you know, kisses her to death in the dream world. And she just you know has an asthma attack and dies oh, yeah. in, in the real Oof. world, which is ooh, that was gruesome. Right. But a little bit. Yeah, but it was but it was well done. But it's established because Alice kind of falls asleep and has like a daydream for a second in class that that's how Freddie's able to get in and get to Sheila. And then because he can he can take Sheila in through Alice's dream and Alice is powerless to do anything about it at that point because she hasn't figured out. Wait a minute. I'm the dream master. Like she doesn't realize that until that showdown of the church later. And so I I uh. I like the, the the way Freddie does it because it's just like he's killed everybody that he's supposed to kill up to this point. So now he's got to have a reason to go after other people and he can't just go get them because he has no connection to them. So he's got to use the only connection he's got left, which is Kristen's power through this girl. Now, it is Nightmare on Elm Street death by proxy a little bit, but it works. Well, yeah. And and I kind of I kind of like the fact, though, that you do have to pay attention to it and go with it. I mean, how many part forwards of a horror series have anything left to offer at all, you know, or, or aren't just trying to redo what they've done before. I mean, do you remember Leprechaun 4? What did we do? We went in friggin' oh, God. Space, right? You know, Halloween 4 just tried to reinvent Halloween 1 after going completely the wrong direction in part 3. So this series, at least in part 4, is trying to do something different with itself without retelling the old, but giving it a new layer and, and still playing by its own set of rules. I, I'll say that about the Nightmare series is that of all the, the horror series that exist, this one tries the most to stick to its own continuity for the, at least for the six, the, the first six films that after that, everything else that comes is kind of its own thing. But those first six really try to tie each other together. With part two being the one outlier. I was because, just going to say, yeah, yeah part the only, two a stretch. Only because part one feeds into part two, but part two doesn't feed into anything else. If they would ever have just figured out a way to tie it back in, they, they could have. But that's the one that is the little bit of the outlier. But particularly part one, three, and four really do flow together if you watch them like that. Oh, I, I know agree. People do, yeah. And so I, I get it. I think that's how he's doing it, at least. And, and she says as much at the... Uh, climax of the film i mean that's how he's getting to everyone is through her 
Oh, absolutely. She realizes that. And, and I think uh, it's interesting because it, it to me, let's talk about, again, Sheila's death, because I think it's interesting that uh, I you, you say that she had started it with a daydream. But I think that the nightmare becomes Sheila's, right? And yeah. Alice is in it. Yeah, because Alice goes to sleep. And because of that, and she was, I guess she was looking at Sheila or thinking about her or whatever. Freddie's able to go in and grab Sheila into Alice's nightmare. And he, you know, Alice gets locked in her desk, which is a cool looking effect. And she can't get out of it. And she now has to watch Freddie take out Sheila, who wasn't even asleep, but got pulled into the dream because she's connected to Alice. You see, and I thought she might have fallen asleep and started her own dream. Oh, see, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, I have to watch again. I don't know. Maybe she did, and Alice pulled her into that dream because they were together. I don't know. That's a good point. I I kind of think it's more Freddie uses Alice to go get other people, but because he's already yeah. established, he can get people who are awake and and dream dream pullers, if you want to call Kristen that or whatever, dream dream conduits can pull waking people into their dreams. I mean, they did yeah. that with uh, Nancy. So. The only the only reason I say that though is because if we look at Rick's death, um, she wasn't the one sleeping; it was him. Right, right. That's so, a good point. That is an inconsistency. Yeah, because yeah. Rick falls asleep in the bathroom stall. That's right. So, and then I I I wrote down takes an elevator to the hell dojo. You know, yes. and I do, I do think though, this is one of those things that like they must have run out of effects money because he gets killed by Invisible Freddy, and I'm like I don't know what the original thing was for him or whatever, but. That would have been, uh, they could have done something better. I liked that guy too. I really didn't want fake Christian Slater, Corey Haim to go down like that. I kind of wanted, <laughs> for wanted him to go down, faux Karate Kid, uh, if you will. I I kind of wanted him to stick around for a little bit, but no, he must go too. And so, uh, and when he dies, though, Alice is the one that like blows the windows out of the classroom when she realizes what's happened. So she's like telekinetic now too, which is. We hadn't seen that. She before. gets everything, man. It's like her powers just keep increasing every day. And I see part <laughs> of it is, is I think she is because we see her do these little daydreams when like her dad's ragging on her or whatever, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Why don't you go straight to you know?" And she's going off on him, but she's not really doing it. Right. And you see, like she's got all this untapped power in her and all this rage. So I kind of feel like she's it's just got coming it to the surface. Yeah, it's starting to come out for her. It's starting to carry sure. for her a little bit, which I was okay with. I mean, they're going to borrow from stuff. Might as well borrow from good stuff. So yeah, for sure. Uh, it was it wasn't bad. Um, I I did like um her power and how she kept acquiring more and she got more of it. I wanted to say though, when we go back to another funeral, we have lots of funerals in this this well, story. Lots and of people die. Well, yeah, but like all of them are buried next to each other. <laughs> Like you're generally buried with family. Yeah, yeah, you're generally buried with family, but it's like no, this is the only part of the set we can use today for the graveyard, (laughs) and you're all buried in a row together. I'm like, well, I guess the town is like, and we don't know how all these people died; (laughs) they just died, and so we're gonna stick them all in this one section of the cemetery together. And I, I did find that kind of morbidly humorous in some way. <laughs> so I was like, that's, that wouldn't be that way. They would be one over here and one over there and one a mile over there. And, you know, it didn't, didn't work that well, way. Yeah, and they funny. even had Nancy next to them and everything. I know, yeah, we had Nancy in there. We had names yeah. from other ones. We had Kincaid. Joey. I mean, they're all, like, right there together. Like Maybe no one claimed them. Is that, well, that was wondering, like, what? What happens here? You know, it's so it's so weird. It's almost like if you've ever seen the TV miniseries It with Stephen King's It, when 
Pennywise is freaking one of the you know, the losers club out, and he lines all these graves up, and he's like, all of them right here. And I'm like, no, they wouldn't really wouldn't bury them together like that, but okay, you know. Yeah. So, but maybe I know too much about, about funeral home practices. But uh, mm, mortician. We, <laughs> you know, we haven't talked about Dan much other than to say he's the jock here that everybody's supposed to oogle over. He kind of comes off like a, I don't know, a, a stand-in and a the background of a soap opera or something like he doesn't get a lot to say or do, but Alice sure enough runs around with him a lot here as we get closer to the climate. Well, then they become boyfriend, girlfriend. Well, yeah, they, they become a thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, but it Al- reminds me of Owen from the episode five. Oh, one. you know, I hadn't thought about that, but that is fabulous because that's exactly who he is. He's kind of attracted to the weird. Mm-hmm. Whatever he's he's good with it. Um, though he's a little because at the beginning, mm-hmm. there's nothing going on between him and any of these people. They're all just right. talking about it, and she's daydreaming about him. And then by the end, it's like they're like best buds and and lovers. Well, he was friends with Rick. Like that was established. He and Rick were buddies. Like they played sports together or whatever. To me, it seemed more like they were acquaintances. I mean, he like goes to the diner looking for Rick. So no, I, that's true. I, I took it that like he he was friends with Rick, and then he just got to noticing Alice finally, but as she you know more and more came out of her shell, if you will. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I like the the dream Alice has where she's in the movie theater and she's pulled into like the yeah faux uh, Wizard of Oz thing or whatever, uh, and it's a dilapidated version of the diner where Freddie is playing with his food literally. And, you know, and her brother's like a, you know, one of the pepperonis or whatever. It's really <laughs> gross and weird. Yeah. But I love that he's telling her, like, bring me more souls, you know, bring me more people. And she does because now he goes after Deb, who's the, this girl's supposed to be a workout girl, but in like lifting weights, she is uber thin to be a weightlifter. Like I would have bought her more <laughs> as like a you know yoga girl or something like that. Like she's. Yeah, yoga wasn't big then yet. I guess not. She was skinny though, man. I mean, she had some Olivia Newton-John going on. So, but yeah. except for her hair, that hair had to weigh Aerobics, twenty pounds. Yeah. yeah, she was. That hair was huge. But um, what do you make of her death? The way Freddie metamorphosizes her into a yeah, cockroach. I, I thought that was just bizarre. Like, yeah, what's the symbolism there? I couldn't I, quite figure it out. Th- there's a dropped line about like she failed a test on Kafka, you know, metamorphosis at some point, I think. And then uh. she, she kills this cockroach, like overkills it in one of the opening scenes. And they're like, take it easy, you know? And she's like, no, I don't like cockroaches. And so oh, there you be- go. She I becomes- totally missed that. Yeah. It's in, it's in the opening scene where she meets, she, we meet her and Sheila in the school parking lot. But, uh, the, but again, it, I've seen this movie three or four times now. And, it, and in, you know, recent succession, I watched it twice for this review and, I caught that, you know, and, uh, but it is a weird death because, uh, you know, we've talked about how like Jennifer, the TV girl and Joey's deaths would be sort of hard to explain when you saw them the next day. What we don't even get to see what happened to her. Like he breaks her arms off with Mm -hmm. the barbell, but then that's just because she becomes a cockroach and he stuffs her in a roach motel and squishes her, which is gross. But I'm like, well, what, what do we see? Does it look like the bells, you know, the barbells just crushed her? I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of yeah, wanted that. You didn't get to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wanted the next day reveal to be like, well, what, what did you find of her? Like that seemed to be shoved in there to try to overemphasize that literature, you know, connection again. And to just have a really gross kill for some reason, which I, I don't know. It was very bizarre, very strange. 
I agree. That was a little odd. But um, I, I don't know that I'd want to see what that body looks like, I, to be honest with I, you. Yeah, I mean, I don't <laughs> know what it would be. The cool part of it, though, is that Alice is trying to get to her. And, uh, like, I thought my DVD was skipping. And my wife did, too, at first when we were watching this together. Because she gets in this loop where she's running out of the drive-in, meets up with Dan, and then they have to drive down the road. And they yeah. just keep doing it over and over and over. And I, I love how she tries to change it up every time. And they, they have a wreck. And she's like, no, we're not going to do it that way this time. And then it doesn't work out. And so she, she does have a wreck. you know. And that's what starts the ticking clock. Is they're going to take Dan to the hospital. And he's got to be put to sleep for surgery. And she's like, I've got 15 minutes. So she steals her dad's car, drives home, takes a bunch of sleeping pills, arms up with clothing from all of her dead friends and goes after Freddie in the dream world. I'm like, man, that hospital must be like right around the street. I can't get across town. I live literally <laughs> less than five miles from work. I can't get there in 15 minutes, no matter what I do. You know, there's no way. And I don't live in a big place. I, I can't be much bigger than Springwood. I'm like, this girl is flying to get this done. Yeah, and it was an interesting concept, you know. I need you to be asleep, and I gotta fall asleep, and then I'm gonna pull you into the dream, and we're gonna go after this guy together. Now, what does Dan bring to the table? That's what I want to know. I'm like, what is Dan's usefulness at all? Because in the middle of it, like the surgery ends so fast, he wakes up, and and they're like, you're gonna be fine, and he was like, but. But I was helping Alice, and he, like, just disappears from the dream. And I'm like, well, that, right. why was he there? He did nothing for I agree. He was useless. I don't yeah, know it why. It just seems silly. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know why he needed to be there. But, yeah, they go to try to. curious. They, they do have that fun effect, though, where they go through, the, like, the, you know, those funhouse twist pipes? You know, mm -hmm. the, I love that visual. I love all of this here in the in the ending third act when they go through all the things where she's going to do battle with Freddy. I think, look amazing like the sets are cool they're uh, it's very surreal it's like a dolly painting almost and it, it, it's all come to life and they end up in this weird church i think or something i mean it's it's weird at the end but i really dig it i mean i i think it's cool the way everything looks in the surroundings i think they did a good job changing up the scenery i mean instead of being in the dungeon basement boiler room whatever we get something a little more intriguing, I guess, uh, to put it somewhere. But yeah, I think it was cool. And I think that was a church that makes, but why is Freddie in a church? Well, more on that later. Well, remember his mm. mother, his mother was a nun. Remember? That's right. So but that would, that's that would hallowed ground. Right. I, I'm with you, but I think that's the idea too. I also think that they're just playing on the idea that we're going to put this evil thing in this sacred place and it's going to, you know, twist it for everybody. Yeah. They're yeah. just trying to do that. I mean, Hellraiser three would do that a couple of years later. I mean, that they would, they would, I think it would have been a lot cooler if maybe he started on fire and stuff. That would have been neat, but it didn't affect him, but didn't, didn't seem to bother him at all. But he and, you know, Alice do some battle. I love how Alice shoots some force lightning at him, you know, and it, it does nothing. <laughs> so that must be the power from the wizard master. That's what I was wondering. Like, who <laughs> yet? Uh, you're, you're thinking of a different guy. So, but, uh, oh, you're, th oh, no, wizard that, master. that wasn't Joey. That was, no, uh, it wasn't, it was from the last one, the wizard master. I know, but Die. I don't, yeah, I don't think anybody was carrying that around in their back pocket to pass to her. I didn't, she didn't get I any sure of those people's not, powers. But yeah. if she's shooting force lightning, it didn't come from anyone else. Oh, I, 
maybe it just came from her. That's kind of how I took it was that was, you know, we've already talked about how Alice has got a lot of untapped power and rage. I think that was her just being pissed off. I mean, maybe, I, maybe. I don't think what do you, got what do you think from, of uh, Freddie being able to just instantly heal himself again? That was kind of cool. No, I love it, though. I love his line. I am eternal. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Good try. You know, especially <laughs> like on his ground. Like, that's the thing is every time they've wanted to kill Freddie before, they've had to do it in the, quote, real world. Right. Like, he had, right. you know, Nancy had to bring him out of well, the real world. Well, I don't think that's true because I don't think she she wasn't in the real world in the first one. She was in the dream, and she told him that she didn't believe in him. And turned away, right? Right, so but in, in her, world. but in her dream, she brought him into the dreams real world. The second one was, you know, he makes out with not Meryl Streep at the the power plant and <laughs> melts, and then the last one they were throwing holy water on his bones, and that cut him apart, you know, with. Yeah, I suppose. So I think that's that's what they're trying to do here. But this is the first time where we see him get taken out wholly in, in what we know is a dream world because Alice is in his world to go get right. him. And I do like the fact that she had to go in his place to get him. And, you know, I know the little rhyme is kind of corny and hokey, and I know it's one of those things that they had in the early draft and they never got around to fixing it, so they just had to go with it in the final draft. I will let it fly only because of the effects that happen afterwards. The the showing a mirror to Freddy is lame, but the souls yeah. tearing him apart and that whole drag down to hell that's like through Dante's Inferno and stuff, mm-hmm. that was amazing. That looked awesome. I agree. I think the 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 vessel to get him to that point was really stupid. Yeah. Just the mirror to see your own face. Come come on, please. The evil will see itself and will die. Yeah. Right. That was dumb. But I agree. The effects that they use with all the hands coming out and like faces coming out and they're just ripping at him, pulling them apart. I like that. I thought it was a real cool visual. No, it looks amazing. And even now, I mean, we're talking about 1987 effects basically for a 1988 movie. And I think mm-hmm. for the most part, it still works. And it's very yeah. practical. It's a lot of cool latex and stuff. And it's a, it's just a cool visual. Again, it's like, the, and don't let this be lost on you too. This is Alice through the looking glass. This is very Alice in Wonderland. It's a lot of what this end dream world feels like. And I like how he gets torn apart by it all. You know, and that Alice is, yes, she is the dream master. And at the end, I mean, we see her and Dan walking around together and they're a couple and at a wishing well and stuff. And I mean, she looks not at all like she did at the start of this movie 95 minutes ago. I mean, she's wow, very confident. now. Yeah, very confident. She's all made up and stuff. But when he throws that penny in there, she sees Freddie's reflection for just a fleeting moment, you mm-hmm. know, and le- mm-hmm. that leaves you hanging, you know, and I, you know, all these movies want to leave you hanging at the end or whatever. And I was fine with the idea that, well, yeah, I know there's, you know, there, obviously I know there's going to be more of them, but, I'm like, no, that would have been cool had I seen this in 1988. I'd have been like, oh, yeah, that's a cool way to leave it hanging. It's like, you won this round, but I'm coming back next time. And I I, I thought it was a, a good way to wrap up a story that moved pretty fast for as long as it is. I mean, this movie's almost an hour and 40 minutes long, but it, it flies. Yeah, it does. It, it wasn't, uh, yeah, it didn't seem like an hour and 40 minutes. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, it's, I, it's I thought it was interesting with this movie in particular because – I, like, like I told you, I once all the main characters from the last one were dead, I literally stopped taking notes and just watched. Which is odd for me. Yeah, it is. And I was curious as to why that happened. Did you just get sucked into it or what? 
I think that is part of it. Yeah. I mean, I just was curious of where they're going to go now that all the main characters are dead. And I knew that Alice was going to be kind of the new main character. So I was just kind of more intrigued on how it went. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, by the way, this is the longest one of the Nightmare movies so far. This one's 99 minutes long, so it it's last longer than, you know, the, the last one and the, particularly the second one. So it it moves, but I was left wanting to know what's the next chapter for Alice, and they do bring her back. And I kind of like, again, that we're going to have these continuing stories, though, when I finally sought out part five and not knowing what it was about, I thought, are they going to do the same thing as this one and just kill her off in the first five minutes? And the answer to that is no. Spoiler alert. Thank goodness. So, yeah, because I'm glad. I like her as a protagonist. Actually, I'll say now I liked her better than Kristen. And part of it is that Tuesday night is just terrible. I'm sorry. I mean, she, she's <laughs> well, just not yeah. good. And, and but If I, they would have brought Patricia Arquette back, it would have been a little bit better here. Might have. And I never thought I would say that. But, yeah, I think I would prefer Patricia <laughs> Arquette in this uh, over that. But I like that they're they're having this continuous through line again. Again, the continuity in these is much tighter than a lot of other series. Particularly, like, right now, we're reviewing the, the Friday the 13th series, Ron and the Hour, on, on uh, Fridays for everybody. And the continuity in that series is all over the freaking map. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the only thing continuous for the most part is Jason's makeup and how it degrades, but everything else is just out the window. But this one, no, it's much more consistent. And oddly enough, the look of Freddy is not at all consistent, but you know, that's, no, no those great yeah. parallels of these things. But I think we're at the part of the podcast, Brian, where it's time to get final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So what are yours for a Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master? Well, uh, all in all, I actually enjoyed this movie. I thought it was pretty well done. Um, I, I liked Alice's character. I thought there was some quirkiness about how she got the powers. I still don't understand quite how she got all the powers. But that said, the story itself is really good. Um, I like how they explained how she gets sucked in now because, like we said, all of the Elm Street children are now gone. They're dead. So now he's got to find another way. And he didn't. It's not that he was actually even looking for another way. He just kind of got thrown one from Kristen. It was like wow. a parting gift from her. So I like that. So for me, I'm actually going to give this a – I think I'm going to give this a medium popcorn. It's well worth a watch. I don't think it's as bad as some people may say it is. And I think it's actually pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's very enjoyable. In fact, you know, people hold up that third one as if it's the greatest thing in the series. And I made it pretty clear last time I didn't think it was as good as the first one. I thought it was really good. And I think this one's every bit as good. In fact, I enjoy this one more than the third one. I know a gasp, right? But I like, <gasps> I, I like the fourth one. I can hear internet rage now. I really do like this. I, I think it's large popcorn. I think it's really good for the series. And I, I don't see where the hate for this comes. I think a lot of people project Rennie Harlan hate onto this because they don't like stuff he's done since then, but he did a fine job with this. And again, I think the story for being something that was written when there was a writer's strike happening and stuff, there was a whole lot to it. Like they got a lot out of this and they introduced a very interesting protagonist. We got a good set of people to be the body count. And I think Freddie and, and her have good showdowns in the Thank game. you for listening so, to Film for me, this is large You can find more episodes on our website, it's a continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. Folks, thanks for joining the us film this latest edition music of Film is produced and performed back episodes on our website, continuouslaypodcast.com slash movies. Uh, subscribe to our 
feed on iTunes. You can see all of our episodes there. Download them all, all free, all for you, always. We got all kinds of stuff on there. Right now, of course, we're doing Friday the Thirteenth as the the coordinated series with this, leading up to Freddy versus Jason around Halloween time. But we've got Halloween. We've done, as we mentioned, the Leprechaun movies. Yes, all of them, even the In the Hood ones. Yes, we did them all. Even the the Hornswoggle one. Yes, uh, we've done Critters. We've even done action movies like the Bourne movies. We've done some Fast and Furious movies. All kinds of stuff there in the archive section of our website and on our podcast. We appreciate your support. Leave us a good positive review if you like the show. Hook up with, with us on social media. We, we always enjoy interacting with the fans. Until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip.